Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast, where we bring together the best medical minds, thought leaders, scientists, patients, and caregivers to inform and inspire the spondylitis community. I'm your host, Jill Miller, living my best spa life, knowing that how we meet today has the power to change everything going forward. Hi, and welcome to SpondyCast. Today, our guest is Stacey Barrows, a certified Feldenkrais practitioner, doctor of physical therapy, and a nationally certified Pilates teacher. She is the inventor of the patented Smart Roller, sensory motor tools for heightening kinesthetic awareness, and is the author of Smart Roller's Guide to Optimal Movement. Stacy owns Smart Somatic Solutions PT, an integrative private practice in West LA. She teaches awareness through movement classes at Santa Monica Yoga, UCLA Osher, and has taught internationally to health and fitness professionals. She also contributed to the recently published book, the Feldenkrais Method, and has always found passion in guiding her clients learn through movement. Stacy, welcome to SpondyCast. We're very excited to have you here today. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. So we're going to talk a little bit about Feldenkrais, which I mispronounced. Uh, but we definitely, we're going to talk about exploring this methodology and how it can help enhance mobility and reduce pain in people with spondyloarthritis. So I think for our listeners, the big question is, what is Feldenkrais? You know, you you do pronounce it beautifully. In fact, we've been, uh, you know, we try to do a service and we say it rhymes with paradise. So Feldenkrais paradise. So that, that uh, might help. I speak German, it, so that's a little bit. Of, I have a I have an advantage there. <laughs> you do, you definitely do. So, and, and I was just mentioning that um, back in the earlier days, it was even less known than it is now. And it was hard to help people recognize it was a name and it wasn't necessarily a, a, a spiritual phenomenon or anything of that nature. It's a very scientifically based uh, system. And it's really a system of how to engage the nervous system, the brain to be more responsive and refine through movement. So we use movement as that vehicle. And I've been a physical therapy therapist for a long time. And so I've seen many, and there's a lot of maladies out there, but I hadn't come across something quite like this. And, to, and it, what I really appreciated was how it shifted me as a practitioner and how it helps me maintain the quality of movement that I'd like to do. So that, yeah, so I can tell you a little bit more of that. that awesome. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think of something a physical therapist said to me one day and they said, our, our goal in physical therapy, you come in, you do your, you do your physical therapy and then you're released. But the goal is ultimately to take those changes forward in your life. And it sounds like you found that in Feldenkrais. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, and thankfully, I, I lucked out and stepped into a passionate career phase in an early, uh, in the earliest part of my life. It's been such a wonderful uh, calling, really. And so the Feldenkrais method, what I love is how empowering it is. And what it really does is it, it meets people where they are, and it really it helps people work on works well. And along the way, my early part of my career, I was very involved with the Arthritis Foundation. 
and spent a lot of time on committees, medical scientific committees. We saw a lot of things come through. They wanted endorsement because, you know, who wouldn't want the Arthritis Foundation to endorse the product? So we we really had to hone in on what was, you know, what was considered quackery or something not solvent. So along the way, when I had, um, you know, then I was exposed to the Feldenkrais method, I realized it really matched up, you know, in terms of joint protection, energy conservation, self-awareness, and, and how to look at, I'd love to help you have some insight how we address posture a little bit differently and, and how to uh, assist ourselves to continue to find ways to ease pain. And my demographics are mostly people who have very complex pain issues. So the nice thing I can offer them right after that, finding how to find the most accessible way to ease their symptoms. And, and that's that I think is based on that creative element that the Feldenkrais method has given me. And the, of course, uh, limitation in movement and mobility and pain are two things that characterize uh, the life of someone with spondylitis. Uh, are there specific exercises that would be beneficial for this population or is it a general uh, a general adoption of the methodology? And I'm also curious if you can articulate the difference between like a Pilates and a Feldenkrais. Yes. I know that's two questions, um, Mary. <laughs> Okay, because it, it really, it's actually kind of nice to have, because Feldenkrais is such a wide umbrella. It's kind of nice to kind of find a lane to kind of talk more descriptively about it, because the neat thing is it's good for everybody. And that's a little bit on the bad thing because of that in its simplicity. It's really hard to wrap your brain around why it's so of value. In fact, the thing that I've had for the, the you know, the period of time of doing it is people wondering why don't more people know about this? So that has been my journey. I feel I was very skeptical for the reasons I described. So getting back to your question, what's appropriate? First of all, and I and we, we did a research study with Mount St. Mary's physical therapy program. I was grateful that they reached out, wanted to uh, have me be involved because my background in the rheumatic diseases. And I said, well, yeah, but let's study this. And what we looked at is people with complex pain which is what that is, and how do we engage them to be able to move, sense, and direct their orientation to know how to do it outside of on the floor where it is. So the, the, the relationship is so close to child development that that's really where you go to look at the socks and figure out what is going on here. Because we have movement patterns and we habit, we habituate the patterns for the good and not good. But what we don't realize is the wide range exposure that we have access to. And so because you're not trying to crack them or have them follow a form, which is Pilates and yoga and a variety of things, some somatic yogas work a little differently, but in my experience, mostly there's a right and wrong way, which there is with everything. But getting to what's the best way is better to give a person the experience so they can differentiate and they can actually scale what they need to do moment to moment. So what I feel Feldenkrais offers is spontaneous movement, not guarded movement. And when people have a lot of pain, they inherently have 
been trained unconsciously to not move. And so okay. it, like that, you, it's, you know, my oath is no harm. And so if I can expose them to ways and it can, I can, you know, I may set my table up where people have to be adapted in so many ways to just be in a moment they can take a breath. It just depends on who they are. So it, I, I, the, I think the, the nice thing is what, when, when we did the research is the, the lessons were actually geared for people with chronic or persistent pain, I prefer persistent pain. And so that, that went through the, all these child developmental movements. So we have two modalities in this work, the Feldenkrais method, I'm answering your question. Um, so one of which is movement puzzles. And I teach those to groups. And there's times that you can do it on Zoom and so forth for individuals. But the guidance is to have them do the exploration in these sequence. And Feldenkrais was a physicist, an engineer, a martial artist and a polymath. So he really, really had a rich vocabulary through curiosity. So he was able to create these puzzles. What's fascinating to me is how people can want to change something. And along the way, they end up improving somewhere else. And, and on top of doing that, because they're not targeting it, they're opening the space that they do it in a way that the body's wisdom does the changing. So we that we have a term, it's incorrect to correct. And again, this is the method. It doesn't mean that you can't have guidance, but we'll quickly pull people off being the spokesperson for their body. It, what should I do? How should I do this? And I and I try, and it's very hard. They're coming to an expert. I say, you know, air quotes to that because that's that's your point. And it's you know, I get that they need to know, am I staying in my lane? But truthfully, if they don't know if they're staying in their lane, that's our bigger problem. And I need to give them resources through their felt sense, which we don't really, really shape our thinking about movement in our felt sense. How do we gauge what our maps are telling us? I mean, we update our GPS systems. We yeah. have to our sensory yeah. system. Of this is interesting. You're making me think there is a quote that I love uh, when you talk about not looking for the end point, uh, mm -hmm. not looking for the answer, but being on the journey. Right. And you're it's making me doubt. think of this. It's the doubt. You, it, yeah. You yes, yeah. that is right. Yeah. And there's a famous quote. Well, I don't know how famous, but by Schopenhauer, who's a philosopher, and it says, uh, Talent is hitting the target everyone can see. Genius is hitting the target no one can see. And mm. I think what you're saying is in this, we're looking for the target that like we can't even see in front of us. But as we keep exploring and learning our own movement, we get there. Exactly. Let me give you a very specific example. Breathing. What yes. happened the moment I said the word? is that you took an inhalation probably, or you did, what, what happened, did. happened posture and all these other words. We're bound to words, unfortunately. And Feldenkrais worked very closely with Milton Erickson, the father of hypnosis, how yep. we language, because we have to be careful, you know, and we know that when we give a diagnosis, it's important to have a diagnosis, but it's also, it can, we have another term called pathologizing. 
and all the scanning and all the things we've done. So we have to help people realize we don't know 100% where your symptoms are coming from. But we do know there's one thing that you could do, and that's to move. So let's get you on that track. So that's, you know, so getting back to the word breath, we won't tell people the right way to breathe. We may play with the breath. We may, may kind of disenfranchise it from certain movements and then plug it back in because we want to tax the system in a good way that facilitates learning. And that uh, the, it, we really fall more in an educational paradigm more than we fall in a therapeutic one. But because a lot of therapists like myself have really gained the insight of how that the value of giving somebody that uncriticized self-awareness from themselves, from the outside world, to build on that so that they can be more discreet and more refined in how they act. Yeah, and and we know pain, whatever form it comes in, is real. Yeah. It's very complicated. Big it's time. a very complicated area of medicine, but we know it's real. And relieving that, it sounds like, is we all have to kind of go on our journey uh, mm -hmm. in our own way. Uh, mm -hmm. So is there anything, well, let me go down a different path for a sec. So you've worked with a number of uh, rheumatic patients, probably you've worked with a lot of spondy patients. Yes. Well, I worked with a lot of people with the rheumatic conditions. And so it, it yes, in different, in different stages, you know, some of them have already fused and some of them, and I've, you know, fortunately through this wonderful organization that probably got my name, I've, I've, I've traveled a couple support groups as well. Uh, because I'm, I'm just a big believer of giving, giving whatever I can away because it's, it's important that we know that we can have self-care tools. Um, I also want to go back fat just for a second, if you don't mind about the word pain and, yeah. and the thing, and the thing about, and this is yet to be done, but it's something I would love to see is, and this is one thing we had to look at with our research is we had to use kind of the classic, you know, pain scales and so forth. But the moment you ask somebody to rate, to explain, to describe pain, one, it's on their radar. So therefore they have to track back and explain to themselves what's going on. But if we could instead shift to function, comfort, these kinds of things, you'd be surprised how hard it is for people to calibrate comfort. Oh. And that was in the research is that, you know, it wasn't until they started moving and they started actually realizing that there was discriminatory ways. Pain hijacks us. It's designed for that. So, and you're right, every pain is real. So it hijacks us. So what sure. it does, it, it diminishes our exploration. So a lot of times with pain, we what we do is we let them hold it. It sounds a lot like mindful other practices, but we let them hold and be aware of it, but build on other sensations and places through movement so that it, it actually kind of unscrambles the intensity and the alarm system so that that big lion isn't screaming and jumping at them so quickly. And, and it, does, it helps to reduce their startle, reduce their, you know, you can see how it shifts them in their tonic phases of their body. Very interesting. And I wonder if pain 
related to chronic illness or conditions is I'm very curious. I'm going to have to get out like the Brene Brown or something here, but if it's related, if we have a hard time articulating it because there's shame associated with it or some sort mm -hmm. of, uh, right, we've got a block on articulating it. So it's easier to articulate other things. I also wonder mm -hmm. uh, if you don't, if you have never come across her, Afton Hassett, who's at University of Michigan and the pain uh, in the University of Michigan pain uh, center. I don't know the exact name for it, uh, but her and her colleagues have done a ton of great work on pain, particularly around rheumatic diseases. Uh, mm. And she may be able to answer that question. Like, what, how do we better, what is the best way to articulate? That's really yeah. interesting. I hadn't thought about shifting the narrative around. Well, we, the way we are we, near, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say there's, I'm, I'm so adjacent to UCLA. So there's a lot going on at UCLA because they're, they're very, attuned to you know the the mindfulness institute and we've got dan siegel and we have a lot of people that are really looking at you're absolutely right what we what we have to understand is how multi-dimensional it is which we're getting better and but we what we tend to look at anatomy by the scalpel we tend to we tend to structure fixing and that can sometimes inhibit the process of what we could adapt to in a better way. Right. That's, I'm having a, an epiphany <laughs> around pain. Um, so I want to pivot. Uh, I want to come back to specifically spa, but before that, I want to pivot. So you have worked with a number of patients uh, over the years and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming that some of there are because of mobility issues, uh, you engage with tools. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, your smart roller and what okay. that is and why you designed it and how it helps how it helps people on their journey. Well, the the smart roller named because I really wanted to build an idea of intelligence uh, and basically when i was introduced to foam rollers it was in my feldenkrais training which by the way is four years long and you are processing these movements it, i think of it often because i have so many psychotherapeutic clients and people that i know how much of it process oriented and it lines in that thinking too so anyway it the, feldenkrais was the first documented person to use these white ethophone foam rollers so that was where I first saw them and because he, he used wooden rollers in Israel. And so when he came here, obviously he wouldn't travel with that. And people saw packing equipment like that and said, what about this? That is the ah. inception of the white six inch, 36 inch roller. So I was already in an environment that was ex explorative and, and not thinking with PT cap on oh, let's do this for this. And so I got on it and I started doing these movements and then I returned to the floor, which floors are relationship to ground, grounding, all these things we know. And then the science that lines with that. So anyway, and I would, I would just feel a change in my own maps, my own movements 
in the sense that, wow, I just, I just, I'm flatter on the floor now. And all I did was just do this, this, and that. So that was, and I started teaching courses with that. And then they started kind of, you know, it's a, it's kind of a hammer and nail. And they started getting used to soft tissue work or core training or balance training and so forth. And what I found with modern body is when they would lie on a full six inch cylinder, they were putting themselves in end range in their small little spaces, the interstitial spaces of the ribs. That's breathing. And the other thing is because I've spent so much time with the science of pain, I know that when the threat, if there's a threat signal that's unconscious, the system will, will be engaged differently. And if we are looking at maybe some release to just kind of get baseline so we can see how we move. So I reshaped it literally by my husband carving it, you know, with a, with a sharp knife and kept getting on it until I could feel, and there's a term called tensegrity, between tension and integrity. So Ooh. I could feel I don't change the way I breathe when I'm on it like this six inch shape underneath to then change it up if I wanted to do it differently. And then it became this, this kind of toy I'm interfacing with it or playing with it in such a way. So that, and then I, over time, the rocking was just blew my mind because that's a cradle and people that are in, in discomfort, just regular comfort. We're starting to have, you know, just five minutes on it and starting to change. And, and I thought it just really supported everything because once rollers really hit the, the market, they were going to be the way we like to do it, you know, and that's go to the end range or feel the stretch or even, you know, melting it. Again, it, it's okay to do these things, but let's not lose the idea of the wholeness connection of how do we learn and using it as a differentiating way of experience so that we could feel short, long, tall, this, that, and then goes back to that vocabulary that you start feeling sensations and they can compete against what's called noxious stimuli or pain symptoms. So, so that was the reason. So then in the process, I started cutting them up and I, I made little end ones. So they, you have a smart roller for your bottom. And so there was a way that you could do that, but I will, I will leave a little teaser for what people can do with why I shape them for your bottom. Cause what do we do? We do this, we sit you now and we, can we tool up the same experience? So we'll do a quick little, you know, thing and you can, it's something everybody can do and figure out. That's fantastic. Thank you. I, I, I'm looking at, I have two foam rollers about 12 feet from me. So I'm a, I'm a foam roller. So I'm going to have to check out the smart roller. Uh, and do you see that people who maybe had, because this is something I think in spondylitis and I think Feldenkrais supports the exploration, but that end range, right? People always, I uh, say that, you know, somebody will invite me to an exercise class and I'll say, eh, I might need to go a little slow because I can't mm -hmm. go to full range as fast, mm -hmm. just like everyone else. Uh, mm -hmm. Or yeah. And I think too, it, I don't, I haven't played with the smart roller, but it looks a little more like a contour to your body. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's shaped it so that it really does come closer 
to if you were, and by the way, you could mock it up and have a rolled blanket. I'll give you a link to where I give that to everybody. You know, anybody, I see somebody at, you know, at the airport, you know, and say, well, here, sure. try this. Because uh, here's the thing to think about. We're addressing our senses, which are collected together. We don't have the, they, that's how they are designed because they set up our orientation so that we know where we are on the planet in a gravitational field. So you work with your senses. So our senses, if we turn down the intensity, are actually richer in the way the nervous system can figure out what that is. So for instance, if somebody, if you had a very noisy room, somebody walks in, they're talking, they're gonna be competing with all that noise. But then you, you just start whispering a little bit. So then that person leans in because they, they actually, their attention, their brain, their nervous system is saying, I need to present myself in a way to rule out the noise. And then, you know, somebody next hears something and they hear name. Well, now it's interesting to them, right? So there's all these things that engage the process. So I want to make a point that we have to help not because I need to modify because I have some issues. We should all have a way of playing with the slow down moving in smaller increments because it has more power more that's your that's our superpower is having our ability to sense what we're doing better and as a result then we can go do more ballistic more but most people because the majority they're doing doesn't have variance meaning they're not moving around like a child in a playground they have patterns that they do so frequently and if they're going out there doing something really rapidly without giving themselves times, time to adjust to variation, they're, you know, they're not going to get the best value that way. They'll, you know, forget yeah. less inclined to hurt themselves, but they will be more inclined to get better value. I love that the yoga teachers, you know, send me their clients in class. I said, you don't have to replace what you're doing with Feldenkrais. You do this before you do that. So then yes. you're fine. And that goes for everything. That goes for an athlete. You wouldn't change it any other way. And I've, I've, I've spoken at fitness conferences for this, the same conversation. So it, it, it's important that we recognize diag diagnostics and those things. There's certain things that we want to be careful with. When it comes to postural awareness, it's across the boards. This is really interesting. I'm listening to you and I'm, well, first of all, I need to take your, your advice in my, in my own life as most of us do. Uh, I like the idea of the primer that you mentioned where we need to, for some of us, it might be stretching for others, but it, what you describe is almost to me like savoring a little mm -hmm, bit, mm -hmm. right. which you know is right. a really good stress coping mm -hmm. mechanism, like a positive coping mechanism. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Slow down enough to feel what that, what your body's doing and connect with it. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so do you have any uh, tips, tricks uh, that maybe we should try and exercise or? Let's do it. Okay. And I'll also a link for uh, if somebody would like to listen put more on a pain specific podcast called Pain Reframed. And it was physical therapy. 
interviewing me specific to, you know, what is the Feldenkrais Christ method? So if, if there's there, I'll, I'll make sure you have some resources, but what okay. I'll first ask you, uh, and, and this is people are sitting, if they're not sitting, the beauty of Feldenkrais is you don't have to do, you can close your eyes and imagine the movements. That's a big deal. And it's hard for anybody to believe I'm getting the best results. You actually get better results, but in truth, it's hard for us to be creatively paying attention to how to do something when it's been really away from them for a while. And But but that unravels. So you always have the, I, I always have drop-in classes. I believe in that too. I know somebody can come in. I will go up and introduce myself and say, you know, is there anything you want me to know? Because I know it will make them feel better if they let me know, well, I shouldn't be on my side. Well, this lesson does do that. So when we do that, I want you to do this and whatever. So, so, but let's, let's assume people are sitting and I'm just okay. going to use you as my, as my reference. And take a, moment, take a moment and notice what, you're sitting on, which is your pelvis, and you have sitting bones. And just see, and I'm gonna actually ask that you start with your eyes open. Yeah, okay. so, I mean, that's our that's our natural instinct to close because we wanna close out the vision. But our fundamental activities when we're awake is our eyes are open. So, so let your eyes be open for a moment because we want you to feel why you have your vision in place. So just notice if you're sitting on one sit bone more than another, just see if you can feel that. And I mean, the first thing you did is you fidgeted, which is I, not unusual. Yeah. The second thing to do is only try and correct it. So we're, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you back from doing that and just feel, see if there's a way that you can accommodate yourself better. But just let yourself do that, and then just feel if you're more on one sit more sit bone on the other. And let's say you're more on your left sit bone, I'm just gonna make it up. Then what I'd like you to do is I want you actually go over more so that you just tip your body weight onto the sit bone and then you return to the center. And you just do that several times, but when you do that, don't, don't go back and forth, you just same side. When you do that, you're gonna notice your breath, feel does your breath so consistently is there a pause and when you go to the side and come back you're going to reverse it with the same quality so you're going to your now your nervous system is picking up on oh this is an easy movement i don't have to worry about this i'm just feeling my weight shift and as you weight shift just see if your shoulders does one raise or do they stay level just see what you notice And you just realize that you had choices and do that a few times, same side, just going over there. And when you lower that shoulder, does that affect your head? Does your head drop? Does it stay in the center? Are you still eat, having the same breath? And when you return back and forth, do your legs do anything in particular? You're letting your head be aware of what you're doing, shoulders dropping to that side. So I'm actually letting you magnify it. And do you feel that you almost maybe push off through one foot a little bit or maybe return by pushing to the other side and make this your last one and come back to the center? Just see if you sense any differences. And I'll, I'll talk, I'll, I'll summarize this in a moment, okay? 
now because we love, you know, exercise is always equalizing the two sides. Feldenkrais Christ will leave you one-sided a lot of times, but for the nature of this, I won't do that. So I want you to lace your fingers on your lap, and I want you to feel how you lace your fingers without looking down, just which thumb is on top and how the other fingers are arranged. Now, you're going to unlace them and lace them differently. So you've shifted all the fingers to be oriented in it slightly different. And as you, note, as you do that, you'll start to notice that there's a change in sensation just with that little information. And Feldenkrais was brilliant to realize this opened up, you know, neural pathways of signaling that the system is doing some variation. Okay, so we're going to leave our hands like that, which is different than we did the other side. And now we're going to tip to the opposite side. But before we do it, we're, before we do it, we're going to let the side that we, we were pressing before begin it by lifting it up a little bit and then let it drop that side. Yeah. And then come back and just do that a few times. So we're still paying attention to the side that we played with by gauging that to do the movement. And as you do movement, you're just feeling. I mean, a child does this without thinking and does it hundreds of variations without thinking. Motion like this can ease pain because it's small. The, the, the path of smelling can really, because it's rocking. Think about that. You know, when you want to get a child to go to sleep, you rock them a little bit and then come back to the center. And now feel both sit bones. And just notice, you have a Libra scale. You have a sense. Now, for some, you probably, you didn't, it didn't look from my view that yours were that different. It can be that some people won't feel that big of a difference, but it's the looking. And that's the part I want to point out, that that is the portal that, that you, because when you're looking, what are you doing? You're disengaging tension, ways that your system could be interfering with your looking by sensation. And you can unlace your hands if you haven't already. You can tease out the idea that what are you going to do later today? There's a chance that you'll sit down, get busy, and then you go, oh, wow, I am on that side. What are you going to do? You're not going to quickly jump it over. You're going to pause. You're going to give yourself time to get the data. I'm just going to notice I'm over there for a reason. Oh, yeah, my phone's on that side. I guess I was kind of used to that. That's data. You're just gonna you're just gonna pay attention, and then don't change it. You exaggerate it because why? That tells your system don't fall over, and so even though it's its preference, don't fall over, and then you come back, and it's even when you swing back, you probably balance yourself out without trying to fix it, because when you fix something, it often increases the tension. Because it, 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 your preference for being there hasn't really been addressed. And what it does, in my opinion, it muscles it up even more as a habit. So if you want to help play, we know that's really good. That's why we're looking at take a different route to work. You know, we need that attentional system to be able to close in and notice. And, that, and I, I couldn't have done meditation if I hadn't done a Feldenkrais training. I mean, I was a, I'm sure a hyperactive kid in, you know, growing up, I was in a swim team bathing suit seven days a week running around in circles. I mean, they put me in the pool probably just to keep me quiet for a little while. 
So it made sense that I'd be a physical therapist. I'm a mover. And so for me, it was my skin was crawling to be that quiet and slow down. And I really had to address why. And one of the things that I've always appreciated was one of my fellow students, when we were looking at something, she leaned in and she goes, you know, you don't do that thing with your jaw anymore. And I said, what? What thing with my jaw? She goes, I always noticed when you were concentrating that you would you would kind of adjust your jaw. And I think, wow. And I, I actually had a line. So there was it was a good habit. Wow. You know, it was significant. But one, I didn't even know I had it. Two, I didn't know I left it. And that to me was a real epiphany because, and that was, I, I, you know, for self-guidance, my own self-care has been so much more of value. I've had my injuries and I've, you know, we're all there. That's, that's part of being on the planet this long. But, yeah. but I, I do like the idea that I can promote healing in this particular way. And it aligns nicely with, with acupuncture and it aligns nicely with a really good guided massage or somebody who feels and learns. We all know good healers. They come in many, many different shapes. And yes. I remember listening to a podcast of somebody else that was dealing with arthropathies and things like that. And he said, make sure they listen to you because I can't tell you how many people in my field override listening to a person that can give you a lot of good information maybe they're rushed maybe whatever it is but but that's that's not okay that we have to respect that that feedback is what we want to feed more so that we can help them yeah okay so first that was a very interesting experience okay. uh and when you said i was fidgeting you know what came to mind as soon as you said to get on your sits bones was 20 some years of yoga teachers going, get on your sits bones and spread your cheeks and let them ground down. Uh, and you know what, after, after I, I noticed there was like 10 times more weight on my sits bones, which I don't find that often. And I, I know that I, I may be just this much let go of my hip flexors to let my hip <laughs> <laughs> and look at this is what five minutes or so and and can i just say so i think you have really utilized that information but what what i do like is the moment you reach for something you want the clarity that you do it in an organized efficient way that may be problematic to move from the sit bones if you look at the sits bones, which is what they're called, look like the heels of our feet, right? Because they are the heels of our butts. So, so it's a really good value in there, and we have fat there for a reason because there is a good place to be from. But, but it's important that, and, and that's why I played around with the smart sits. I said I would kind of give you another thing, um, but we'll just use our hand. So, what side were you in the beginning? Just slightly more inclined to be on the left. Okay. So what, that was the left. Okay. So here's what you can do. Here's another little idea that, and I tell people bring a paperback book when you're getting on the airplane. Why? Well, this is why. Okay. So let's say you're leaning a little bit more on your left. Remember I said, exaggerate what you're doing. So what you do is you take a small paperback book, by the way, because guess what a paperback can do? It can be folded and then you have less. I grab one. <laughs> Okay, so then what you do is you slip it under the cheek. 
that's opposite of your weight bearing one. Okay. And you just, just hang out there for a while. So what I'm now doing is, and what your system is being signaled is, like I mentioned, oh, I better, I better balance myself. And as you get busy and you do something, and then you can just do a little bit of rocking of your pelvis. You know, make sure you're comfortable. It's always really, but we, that, this is how, not, that's how you rock forward and back. Mm. So just, yeah, just easy and small. Remember small? And notice what your eyes do. See if you can feel. And now you just buried that, didn't you? Because I could tell when you went into your observation one, which way did your eyes go each time? To the right. They floated, they floated up. They float yes. up. So, so that rocks the body differently than letting your eyes float down. What happens when your eyes float down? What does your head do? Like you're going to fall over. <laughs> well, it, it, your, neck it's, your neck comes forward. Yeah. Small movements. But again, do you see, I'm just making a point. It's called them parasitic movements. If they're always on or they're, they're so started with everything. Okay. Now pause, pull it out. And now feel where it was. There's going to be a phantom sensation. And just notice that. And notice your eyes. Cool, huh? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's super interesting. Yeah, well, our eyes are huge pools of information, unconscious information. I have this, my treatment room is set up in such a way that my treatment table is in a diagonal position. And I've got these, the ceiling's got squares. It's a square room. I'm fascinated and I use it every time. This is a, you know, this is giveaway. But when they lie down on my table, they often are oriented on their, on the table. Sometimes when one foot's almost ready to fall off. And I said, you know, you're not even on the table. And what's fascinating is you'll watch them. And you'll see that and they'll continue and they'll make it even worse. They don't realize how much they've picked up the space and unconsciously added themselves to that space. So Felton Christ really brought all that in. Yeah. You know, perception is influenced by a lot of things. Prior learning, which is really fast. Our preparation to do something is so fast. By the time you've done it, You've been priming it to do it. So you have to get in there. I don't like the word hack, but you got to get in there. And you need to kind of fidget around with yeah. the system. A bit. So it starts to have this motor learning. That's what we call it in my field. There's a sensory motor learning. But why did we take out the sensory part? Sensory motor learning. So it's a loop. And it's, it doesn't have one or the other. It's constantly in playing. Wow. Okay. We're going to, we're going to, we have to wrap up, but I have one, one or two more questions quickly. Uh, we talked a little bit about research and I know a lot of your work is grounded in research. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, does the research say Feldenkrais is good for us? Well, it's limited, but there, with that, I'm really grateful that there's an international, it's IFF, International Feldenkrais Federation. And what they what they are really doing is they are curating, you know, what's coming in. And what we what we find is probably more available for us to measure is things that fall in the, in the contemplative sciences. People that are studying 
um, cognitive, um, you know, the, the cognition, those, those are where we, we land more in, okay. but the, but the, but the, um, the quality of self is, is really what I think needs to be measured. And we don't necessarily have the tools. And once again, and I think with our research that, you know, you are bound to the structure of what you need to measure. And it would have been nice to roll it over into multiple, multiple studies to, to get rid of so that we can establish new tools to evaluate what we're looking at. Because one of the things I found fascinating, this is so early on when we did my research, that we didn't have, it would have been great. We videotaped them walking, but we didn't have video of watching them just get ready on the floor and get up off the floor. Right. I watched them change so radically. And the other thing that fascinated me is when we collected all our data, I gathered them together and I said, let's, let's take a look. Let's, and they volunteered a person. And she, I said, do you want, you know, the, the Feldenkrais method is hands-on too, but we work through clothes very different. Once again, we don't fix, we use our hands to enlighten so that there can be a sense of what they're doing and then help them kind of put that together a little bit more um, in a tutorial. Okay. But anyway, so so I, they volunteered somebody. I had her walk, and I said, I asked the group. I said, "What do you guys notice?" And they gave me the best gait analysis I'd ever heard. I, I thought I had PT students. It was so amazing. These were people that didn't have anything in common except persistent pain, and they were able to just watch her, which you couldn't have seen that if you couldn't have been in that self connection of watching, yeah. wow, she does that shoulder, this and that, you know. Then she got on the table, did the hands-on Feldenkrais lesson, which I couldn't do that, I couldn't obscure the data. But at this point, it was just for fun. And the thing she sat up and said to me, she goes, oh gosh, so that's what you meant, look for the pleasant sensation. So yeah. they didn't even have a way for me, and that taught me thing. Because the, and the people that really excelled were people that did have some prior somatic, um, you know, backgrounds, you know, that, that could, that could give themselves the option to explore and not have the head trip. I mean, there's great work with Feldenkrais with babies and children and dogs and cats. Yeah. Because they have the bias of why should this work? Yeah. They, they're placebo with my lab. And yeah. to see, and again, I'm not trying to make this sound like, you know, penicillin. It's not, it, you know, it's not for everybody, but it, it's found, it's been such a foundation for my physical therapy, without a doubt. I love it. And on that note, I just, first, thank you for balancing me out. <laughs> for giving me the tool to do it um, and for all the work you do in this community, because I know it, it makes a huge difference. Uh, any wisdom to share before we head off? Absolutely. Um, the thing that I'll do is I will leave two or three links, one of which is how to use a rolled blanket. Yes. And the neat thing is foam roll use. If I can bring it to you the way it was brought to me. You can use a beach towel, a quilt off a bed. It doesn't matter. You roll up a blanket. There's a little prep of doing a scan of noticing what you're like. Get on it. Do a few little moves. Get off it and sense that. That is really 
been such a godsend. And when people come back and say, oh, I do that all the time, you know, that that would be something I would bring everybody to, to do. And that would be the main thing. And also just, you know, there are, go to feldenkrais.com and, and find, there are a lot of free resources. Uh, find a practitioner in your area. We love giving this away. So usually we don't charge much because it's just something that we just believe is so of value to get out in the community. I'm going to mention that this is there. I'm going to put it on a Feldenkrais website and they'll be happy to share it too. So Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Barrows. We really, like, I really appreciate this. This was great. Okay. Thank you so much. SpondyCast was made possible by donations from the Spondylitis Association of America's individual members and our show's corporate sponsor, AbbVie. Since our founding in 1983, the Spondylitis Association of America has been the face, voice, and leading nationwide nonprofit, educating, empowering, and advocating for people living with spondyloarthritis. Through our extensive work with patients, the medical community, and partners, we provide information and resources to help people impacted by the disease live better lives and champion research to find a cure.